0: This is a honky tonk man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and you're listening to the Wrestler Review.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, hope you got yourself a line of cocaine and a list of reasons why she fell down the stairs. Because this week, (laughs) we're talking about if the alt-right needed a guy to call the alt-right gay for using a computer. That's right. It's the Four Horsemen's bad behaving man, Tully Blanchard.
2: It is interesting watching this stuff where like clearly Rick... Clearly, Triple H wants to be Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, like he wants to be the enforcer Ric Flair, but who he is, is Tully Blanchard. He is the Tully Blanchard of
1: the McMahon family. He is very important, very unnecessary. It's the most fascinating thing.
2: Like, Triple H is amazing, and Tully Blanchard's amazing, but- Introduce yourself before we get stuck into Tully Blanchard. Ooh, I'm going to get stuck all the way in Tully Blanchard, because I'm Dylan Gott. And
1: I'm John, uh, the Jim Barnett of this podcast, Hastings, in that I have a lot of money. Mm. Not that I'm ethically dubious. All right, go ahead, Dylan, about Tully Blanchard being awesome, because he is kind of awesome, but also kind of ludicrous.
2: I, he was born in Calgary and went to the Heart Dungeon, or his, his dada went to the Heart Dungeon? That he immediately moved to Texas, meaning that he's never not lived in an oil town. Let me just say this, and this sounds really crazy, but
1: there's a part of me that thinks that Tully Blanchard was John Snowed by Stu Hart. That, like, Joe Blanchard was in the dungeon, Stu put him in an arm bar. Joe Blanchard tapped out and stood, yeah, you're not a man, I need to fuck your wife. And then he just
0: <laughs> birthed Tully Blanchard
1: and then forced Joe Blanchard, yeah, you yes, that's a cuckold. you raise my cum. You, that, you love my
0: cum. <laughs> and...
2: Helen can't stop it. She can stop it. Ten kids. She's a weak whore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the with Helen Helen has had sex ten times with me. That makes her a brother dude. <laughs> <laughs> You had to throw her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I let her fucking go, but I I owe her 20 bucks, so she gets to stay, (laughs) I guess. She knows where the food is. I keep confusing the kitchen with the bathroom. I tried to cook eggs in the toilet, and I took a shit in the dishwasher. I believe that he would do that. I 100% believe that the... the, the Oh, God, he's the worst. Anyway, um, yeah, Tully Blanchard, born in Canada, moves to Texas. Is there any other man? You've been to Calgary. I've been to Calgary. Is there any more Calgary man than a man who, you got a drug test tomorrow. I'm doing cocaine, Tully Blanchard.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tully Blanchard is just universal. He's the voice of the people. He's the <laughs> voice of the shitty people. Like yeah. He could be the biggest babyface of all time if they really knew how to write a wrestling territory strictly for oil towns. Yeah. If, if Kid Rock fans
1: needed someone to go to church for them, that man is Tully Blanchard.
2: <laughs> Every They could have done a, a wrestling Pardon me, son. There.
1: Why are you wearing cotton? You're over the age of 30. You wear a fleece over top of a button-up shirt that's polyester. If not... You are technically
2: a woman in my eyes. (laughs) It is 90 degrees Fahrenheit. You want to keep all the heat in, okay? Keep the heat in.
1: Heat like emotions are for bottling. (laughs)
2: Mm. But uh, his father played for the uh, Edmonton in the CFL a couple years for Calgary and then also wrestled with Fritz von Erich. Which is a oh. really common thing back in those days, and I will say this: Joe Blanchard, Stu Hart, and Fritz Von Erich—that's the holy trinity of abusive of fathers. Oh yeah, well they would just talk shop on how to abuse their kids better.
1: Hey Fritz, and uh, your three boy then, uh, nah, 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 nah. they look weak. They'll probably kill themselves nah, 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 because they're <laughs> fucking whispering their fucking ears every night. <laughs> <nah, nah, nah, laughs> Let me tell you something there is, dude. They're not going to kill themselves, all right? sure I make carry-do push-ups in the rain? And David knows that if he makes one mistake, I'll fuck his wife, but they'll be alive. (laughs) Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to inexplicably run while smoking a Camel Light.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, all Joe did was raise one son to be weird yeah Joe this is a, Joe just was kind
1: to Tully and Tully's personality took that as that his father was weak so he needed to do
2: uppers and hit his wife <laughs> yeah baby well I mean it was the 80s okay so what happens in the 80s
1: gets brought up in the gets
2: gets brought <laughs> up in the 2000s by two idiots on a podcast ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. also like, Ow, oh. also like now that is a horrifying three people to have when Joe when Joe Blanchard's the one who's like guys I mean what what why don't you feed them breakfast the a good meal to start the day is really what separates like nah, they earn the food nah, nah.
1: no Joe, you don't give them the to... nah, nah. your kids aren't like a dog and yeah you love your dog and nah, nah, then you train for your breakfast breakfast
0: set ups for lunch
2: yeah and for dinner you watch me eat
1: yeah carrie uh carrie and david they were and david were given food once and then later i saw them kissing girls you don't kiss girls you put your seed in them and then you don't let them speak
2: (laughs) i mean this is this is uh he played a couple years of joe you're a wrestling
1: promoter why were you paying that man oh because he wrestled on my card you don't pay them unless they're related to you <laughs> best thing ever gary hart uh got uh, in one show made fritz von eric uh three quarters of a million dollars gary hart's percentage of that are you ready for it 1200 bucks
2: listen man wrestling promoters comedy promoters they're all the same
1: he then and his comeback was Gary I paid you the most of anyone on the show. Abso fucking lootly. Great, great stuff. $750,000. I'm going to I'm peeling this guy off a solid 1200 bucks. <laughs> I mean, that's just the that's his part of the gate though. He didn't do shit. Yeah, this is this is just enough money for you to know that you can suck my fucking dick. Um Tully Blanchard played a lot of football in high school because of fucking course he did. Did he get into some sort of drunk driving accident in his uh, later years? Yeah, of course he fucking did. It's Tully Blanchard. He's in Texas. He probably was drinking Jim Beam and said to the women, "Mm, there's only one way to get you unconscious, and then he just drove a car into a wall.
2: (laughs) Oh, no, John, John the Leprechaun. That might be his move, though. Tully Blanchard's... Tully Blanchard's Guide to Picking Up Girls. First of all, offer them a ride home. Secondly, drive 80 miles per hour into a lamppost. Maybe you die, or maybe she's unconscious, and that's when the games begin. Yeah, welcome to Tully Blanchard's Dating
1: School. Rule number one, if they talk, tell them they don't believe in God. Number two, do blow in the bathroom by yourself. Number three... <laughs> When they get, hand you a condom, eat it.
2: His <laughs> Oh, condom. Okay, cool. Sorry, I, I didn't actually get that. You just ate it. No, I didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, my entire body's protected from AIDS now. I could shake Jim Barnett's hand is what Tully Blanchard <laughs> oh, would think. Oh,
2: no. Get
1: That's Tully Blanchard.
2: That's not game. me. Go ahead. That was actually a quote, though. That was a quote from him. Eat the condom, and then you can't get AIDS. That was what Tolly Blanchard uh, says all the time. Yeah,
1: that's a direct quote from Tully Blanchard. He said, "W 1989." When asked <laughs> how are you gonna com- combat Strike Force, he just was like, "I eat condoms. That way, I don't get AIDS."
2: I would believe that it's there on was
1: the WWE a- Network.
2: I would believe there was a um, PSA sent by the WWE where it's like Hulk Hogan and some other guys being like. I'll tell you something, dude. The only way to avoid AIDS is to not be gay. Do do your prayers, eat your vitamins, and above all else, never love a man. (laughs)
1: 100%. I 100% know that that's out there somewhere.
2: Not even your father, dude. Dude. Just respect him. Dude, remember, dude, if you have urges for the butthole, dude, just
1: shit in the vagina, dude.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but Tully went to West Texas State which is uh famous because they had a bunch of uh, wrestlers come through there sub- Bruiser Brody, as- Terry
1: Funk, Dory Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Tito Santana, Ted DiBiase.
0: Ooh,
2: chavo. Yeah, and that's how he basically got into wrestling was that uh he fucked up uh he fucked himself up. Uh he was apparently one of the best punters, which is very funny cuz of course Tully Blanchard's the Football player who only kicks. <laughs> yeah. Hiya, I kicked
1: it. I just picture a woman smiling, and then that's what I put on the ball. Oh no, chavo! If if serial killer Mean Gene Okerlund had a son, it would be actually Telly Blanchard. Oh why? Um. Yeah. I'm not defending that statement. I'm just saying it. I'm not. A, I'm not elaborating.
2: Ooh, good. That's good for a fucking podcast. Never elaborate. Just say things.
1: Oh, that's fine. Sorry, Dylan. Sorry for being entertaining Thanks, and also trying to get us back on track. Because we're, f- we're fucking we're twelve minutes in. You fuck, and I'm trying to fucking get us to when he debuts in either 1975 or 1978. It's unsure. Our researcher says 1978, but Wikipedia says
2: 1975. He debuts in where, Dylan? His dad's Tully, company. Tully himself says 1978. So let's believe Tully.
1: Mm, I'm gonna have to not a hundred percent believe Tully.
2: yeah like I would believe that he cut he uh his first time on TV the uh promoter was like man that was an amazing heel promo and he was like promo I was just telling the lady at Dairy Queen what I think of her
1: yeah I didn't think I didn't think that camera was on it was just black in color and so I thought it was an african American no <laughs> no the promotion was run by Joe Blanchard. uh uh, although tully did assist uh producing the show for the usa network Ooh, i wonder it was the first show on the usa network probably this is probably why tully's not allowed to work at the wwe because vince mcmahon considers that because southwest wrestling was on the usa network before the wwf
2: they stole the idea from vince mcmahon in the past dude southwest championship wrestling i watched an episode of it might be the worst produced regional wrestling show I've ever seen in my life. Th- that's fantastic. They, that's they fucking have fantastic. Two interviewers. and all they do is interview all they do is introduce themselves. So they stand on either side of a wrestler, and then they just both put the microphone. One guy says nothing ever.
1: I love it so much. I love that so like, much.
2: ladies and gentlemen, here's Gino Hernandez. And then you just see another microphone come in the shot, and you're like, where the fuck did that other mic come from? And then you're like, this other pedos fucking standing off green. You're like, what? what? What is this show? You watch
1: Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and... Yeah. um
2: Smoky Mountain Wrestling's great, though.
1: It's so well produced in comparison to every other territory wrestling show ever.
2: I like... Like, I wish that there was... Another, I I wish that there was another, um, just a company that was like Smoky Mountain, that was totally dedicated to just being a Southern wrestler. I miss Southern wrestling and Territory wrestling so much.
1: Oh, so much.
2: I remember at 3 a.m. one time on CBS, I saw Tatanka in like 1996 on a TV show, and I was my mind was blown. I'm like, Tatanka is still alive? Oh yeah. He's wrestling for the title. This is the greatest night of my life.
1: What Dylan's not explaining is that it was on an episode of Walker Texas Ranger but still very exciting.
2: Walker Texas Ranger was booked like a, ter- a wrestling territory. It absolutely was. It was, was booked Mexicans by- would come in and then uh, a white man in a cowboy hat would do karate to them. And every time there was
1: an assassin introduced, they always had a weird quirk. To the point that there's two <laughs> different, there's two different assassins on walker texas ranger that exclusively drank
2: milk it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> sorry i was just looking up this uh so they paid southwest championship wrestling paid seven thousand dollars seven thousand dollars per week to be on the usa network which is the equivalent of thirty thousand dollars in today's money
1: that's so much fucking money
2: so much goddamn money fucking nuts um basically yeah they, the tv show is an infomercial for their live events but i don't see how you can make money uh if you're paying fucking seven g's a week <laughs> it's fucking insane but yeah but they fucking did like the thing is is that the like
1: joe blanchard was apparently made a fuckload of money and was also known as payers in the business um he would also constantly ally himself with other uh texas or in the area promoters either the funks um Fritz, um, Paul Bosch, and Houston, all of them, by the way, fucking hated uh, Joe Blanchard and Tully Blanchard so much. Like, not one of them or their proxies being Kevin Von Eric, Jim Cornette, or Jim Cornette's all right with Tully, but um, Kevin Von Eric, Bruce Pritchard, uh, Jim Ross all have negative fucking things to say about Tully and Joe Blanchard. And, like, basically, he just was such a fucking cheapskate. And would cut corners at every length. And it's not like he even pushed anyone else. And it was one of those weird things where it's like Tully Blanchard was one of the few promoter sons that was really good. But still, they were
2: like, yeah, but fuck him. It's very bizarre. That's crazy. Well, another sad thing. You want to know something sad? Always. Tully's brother was 16 years old and died in a car accident on his way to baseball. From that, fun.
1: Oh, yeah, but what uh, Dylan's not explaining is the reason why the accident happened is that Tully's uh, brother uh, ran into a wall because Tully wanted to try and fuck him.
2: <laughs> no, that's not what happened. That is what happened. Take that back.
1: Hey, Tully Blanchard, my name is John Hastings. I'm easily accessible. If you have any problems with what I'm saying, fucking come at me, bro. Fucking come at me.
2: You're going to fight a guy who uh, works with the church in prison. I'm going to fight... Tully Blanchard. Yes, I am. Cuz I have a se-
1: I have a secret move which is I'll just cover myself in cocaine and either he will not fight me cuz he's clean and sober or he'll be like you are my favorite
2: thing now. <laughs> this is the weird thing about that wrestling hasn't changed at all in that it's basically a lot of it's made up of legacy guys like a lot of it, like if you look at the early '80s guys, um, such oh as yeah, you say Macho Man, you say Tolly Blanchard. These these are promoters' kids, and then they end up being the big players in the industry. Much like now, how. Everyone's like a third-generation star. If you look like Bray Wyatt, you look at even like Curtis Axel, people like that.
1: Those are just I wouldn't say books. that those guys are stars. I would think you would say, very similar to this, is that the mid-card is really populated by guys that know the business. And they're sort of like Bray Wyatt, um, Randy Orton. They're all... They're all, like, not so much Randy Orton, but everyone else is kind of, they're also Rans, and almost was, as they aren't fucking, like, they aren't the biggest thing in the company, but they are pretty important to the overall product.
2: And it's also Vince McMahon's love of Samoans, I guess.
1: Yeah, they're loyal. And also they shit huge.
2: <laughs> I've never seen one of them sneeze.
1: It, yeah. I I did see Alpha shit once, and it was like a
2: bear coming out of a man. Yeah. <laughs> But this is the way. So, because for a while I thought when like NXT was coming up and they had to come up with all these shitty names for whoever, like Michael McGillicuddy, Husky Harris. I guess Bo Dallas stuck. Um, oh, Husky Harris was fucking atrocious. Husky Harris is one of the worst names. He's Husky. Just call him what you wanted to call him Fat Rotunda. Yeah, exactly. Tubby Thompson. Look yeah. at him. He's rolling down to the ring. Butter up the ropes because Tuppy's getting in. Shouldn't be here, but we're kind of worried about Mike Rotunda, so he is. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. So he gets. Uh, so Tully is a quick learner. Uh, I mean, you can say whatever you want about him personally, but goddamn, that this guy catch onto wrestling fucking immediately? Uh, he won the Southwest Championship t- or Southwest Television title uh, three times. He won. Obviously, he won the tag team titles uh, a bunch of times with Gino Hernandez, the dynamic duo. Imagine the blow they did, Dylan.
1: Um, like, it must have been. It must have looked like it was snowing in those hotel rooms. Just Gino Hernandez Bosch sipping champagne and being like, uh, you know, Telly, why don't we uh, run a train on some ladies? No, Gino. No. That involves kissing.
0: I.
2: Here's how much cocaine. Gino Hernandez died of a coke overdose but there are some people still think it might have been a murder i will say this i never really saw gino hernandez's stuff before this researching for this episode and he was great it's amazing
1: him and chris adams especially in wccw which is the von eric territory when gary hart is managing them is are fucking incredible well like you it's basically like, oh, you see, like, oh this was if Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels were bands, they like Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez are clearly like, oh, those are the, the, the bands that weren't as successful that they're clearly attempting to be.
2: You really think Steve Austin was trying to be the gentleman Chris Adams? If you watch when Chris Adams is a heel, if you look at how
1: Chris Adams does corner kicks, when he's a heel being managed by Gary Hart, and you're like, "Oh, that's where Steve Austin got that." Yeah, true, true. There's a bunch of just little subtle things that are so, and the, a, just also watch Gino Hernandez do a super kick, and
2: you're like, "Oh, that's that's where Sean learned it." <laughs> yeah, Gino or Her- er, Gino Hernandez did a super kick.
1: Yeah, he I does it watched a bunch
2: of promos, so I'm sorry.
1: He does it with Chris Adams. Oh, it's, it's the best. My favorite one is they're outdoors, and Chris Adams uh, is going after Kevin Von Erica, and he goes, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your father, in front of all these people. And then you can see, clearly say he's about to swear, and he just goes, "Bah!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> there is a lot of wrestlers who did that, though. Like the, the classic one was Hogan coming out for the Goldberg match. And they'll be like, I want to kick this guy's butt. It was a classic one. Yeah, and I got this NWO brother.
1: Oh, man, brutal stuff. So the year is 1984. Uh, Dylan believes Tully Blanchard was a good wrestler. I believe that his dad was like, make sure my boy looks good, everybody. He leaves Southwest Championship Wrestling. Why? Because Joe Blanchard's about to probably pull some sort of Bernie Madoff scam and make sure that the cowboy Bill Watts loses money. (laughs) And uh, old Tully Blanchard heads to JCP... In 1984, he'd already been hanging out a lot with Ric Flair, and slowly the seeds are planted for quite possibly the greatest faction ever. What's that faction called, Dylan? DX. Correct. They form
2: DX. They form DX. Of course, Telly Blanchard, you may know him better as China. China. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, he did Clip. porno.
1: Yeah, he got fucked. Uh, Tully Blanchard comes <laughs> to. Uh, I hate that
2: fucking laugh so fucking <laughs> much. Shut the fuck up. Well, I think we. I think we should take a Brioch and then talk about uh, JCP after that one. Uh, yeah, I agree. I want to quickly uh, say this before uh, we go to the break. Um, he was having uh, drug problems in 1983 because Tully Blanchard was a trendsetter. goddammit. it. You know um, what, Dylan. You're right. He lost his house. How much blow are you doing that you lose your house? Basically, if you ever watch the documentary Cocaine Cowboys, uh, where they're just printing money in a machine and talking about how good it was to sell coke, all of that money was only just what Tully Blanchard was buying. Yeah. All that they were. He bought a lot of Ferraris for people who uh, killed people.
1: Yeah, Tully Blanchard is responsible for a lot of the DEA infrastructure now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he is solely responsible for it. Um, But basically, he took some time off wrestling.
1: The war on drugs was referred to in the middle 80s as Blanchard time.
2: (laughs) He took some time off wrestling, and then, of course, being the son of a promo pro, he had a couple cocktails with uh, Jim Crockett and Dory Funk Jr., um, after, cause he was doing dates off and on. He, uh, at the end of January was booked in St. Louis, uh, and had a match with Buzz Tyler. He then has, he has some drinks with Jim Crockett and Dory Funk Jr. And then while he's hammering, he says, Jim, if you hire me, I'll make you a lot of money. And Jim Crockett was like, all right. And then, uh, that's how he got his job in Jim Crockett promotions because they didn't have email back then. They only had drinking straight vodka until you cross streams. Do you think about how much
1: more money was spent on alcohol in the 80s? Like the amount of just wrestler stories that is just like, oh, I was drinking 11 kamikazes when Jay Youngblood was there and uh, I fucking pissed on him two weeks later. We were in a steel
2: cage match. Like, that's every wrestler story <laughs> yeah. from, like,
1: oh, I remember I saw Jay Carnoodle, and then later I fucked his daughter, and then we had a first blood match.
2: Yeah, the most 80s thing of all time would be, is if, like, how'd you get to wrestling? Well, I was getting drunk at a gym, and this guy had cocaine. Like, that's just <laughs> combining all of them. It's like, you don't read about it in the paper, You're just at a gym, and some guy's like, nice abs. Do you want a fake fight with me? And the guy's like, yeah. Yeah. Pardon me, madam. How did you get
1: that uh, well-toned physique? Uh, uh, First of all, I'm a boy. Second of all, uh, cocaine and running away from Andre the Giant's shit. Shit. This is the business for me.
2: Exactly. Do you not like? Do you mind casual racism or uh, institutional racism or really, really harsh racism? No to all three. Well, I know where you belong. Professional wrestling in the not in wrestling.
1: Yeah. No, no, not in pro wrestling. You have to like. You have to like institutional racism, straight up wrestling racism, and just accidental racism.
2: <laughs> there you go, buddy. Yeah. That's what you got to do. John likes all three of those things, and he'll tell you why after this break.
1: Oh, that's interesting, because Dylan is the reason for four different ethnic slurs to do with Vietnam. See you after the break. This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it.
2: There's shit on my ass.
1: Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Tully Blanchard is in. The JCP NWA, also known as Mid Atlantic Wrestling, he is quickly paired with who? Dylan. Me. It's with you, which is well. Dylan does share the nickname with his um, first manager, which is a lot of you are going. It's baby doll. No, it is Paul Jones. Paul Jones was a territory wrestler for the Crockett family forever, and he was rewarded with sort of a retirement gig, which was being this weird manager where he would dress up as an army general and he had Paul Jones' army, and he was just a low-level sort of faction that they could throw heels into, and he would fight a mid-card babyface. Also, apparently, Paul Jones, definitely a racist, evidently. Really? How do you know that? Jim Cornette says, oh, Paul Jones had a lot of backwards views, which I, I take to be code for...
2: That's insane. Yeah. He, Jim Cornette said, Paul Jones had a lot of backwards views, and he knowingly hired Ole Anderson.
1: Well, listen, here's the difference between
2: Oli and Paul Jones. Paul Jones is dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's legit a lot. That's probably a lot of it. <laughs> is the Jim Cornette doesn't want to talk about Oli because he'll know Oli will show up at his house like, Hey, Jim, I heard you were coercing with black yeah, workers, uh, after the black woman. Yeah, Jim, I heard that
1: your wife's fat, Jim, and that's the perfect flavor of the black man, so your wife's black. Get me a wheelchair, Jim.
2: (laughs) I gotta pull my dick
1: out. Nice. I need a wheelchair for my dick, Jim. It's me, Oli. Do you know where Jim Barnett's
2: buried? I want to go piss on his grave. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, and they immediately give Tully the uh, television title. And it's really weird because it's like with some maybe some better moves, Tully could have ended up in the WWF at this time and um, had a lot better. I'm career. not
1: gonna agree with that. He could have ended up in the WWE, Dylan. I think that you're fucking wrong. You fucking idiot. Why? Um, I think that because he lacks any sort of flair. Haha. It's when you look at like especially the tag team with Arn or within the Four Horsemen. He was this weird thing, they don't talk about factions needing, but he's sort of, he's the Sean, he's like a non-charismatic Sean Waldman, which is, he's just a good wrestler. So it's like, well, that guy just has the match that you know he's going to lose, but he can either get screwed out of it when they're the babyface, or he um, attempts to get che- attempts to cheat and gets caught. If they're heels, that's who Tully Blanchard is. Like, Arn Anderson is the second most charismatic member of the Four Horsemen. He's, I, for my money, he's the better promo, and he's also the best character of being the, like, you touch any of us, you deal with me. Uh, While Tully is kind of unfortunately lumped in with being the, like, he's like Ric Flair, but not as handsome, so you
2: could fuck him, but it's gonna be rough. Mm, Yeah, I mean... I think the role he kind of fills would be like, every faction does need a guy who just like, alright, so the baby fa- uh four of these guys have beaten, this is any faction, four or three of these guys have beaten up people for weeks. Now, uh a team of th- equal number uh, to that of babyface is going to come in and wreck shop, and they need one guy to punch around who doesn't make the enforcer guy look weak the like the muscle yeah and who doesn't make the leader look weak and that's what tully blanchard is and he was great at it
1: he was absolutely fucking amazing at it and this was the best fucking four horsemen incarnation ever also they were wrestling so fucking much like it's so crazy like it's like 300 fucking dates a year like what are you fucking doing like i to this day i just feel like jim Cornette put half of the money in a room in his house like, you didn't, and also, no, what it was is he bought three planes, he bought entire territories, he was buying office buildings, all this sort of stuff. Um, at the same time, by the way, Tully and Arn are not only wrestling, they're also training wrestlers in the daytime during the height of the yeah. Four Horsemen. They're The reason why the Road Warriors go from two guys that clothesline everyone to people having complicated moves, and, by the way, still, Jim Cornette's trying to save money by not paying him that much, because fuck you. Fuck you, Tully, fuck you, Arn,
2: Jim Crockett, you
1: mean. Yeah, sorry. Uh...
2: Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette is also there, but he's. Like, Jim
1: Cornette is also there. Not a fan of Tully, but doesn't.
2: Teach me how to wrestle, you fucking bitch. Hey, Arn, you fucking cunt.
1: Show me how to do a fucking spine buster or I'll fuck you. You vote for Trump in the
2: future. I know you do. <laughs> um, but uh, he drops Paul Jones. And Paul Jones was one of those guys where it's like, this guy's sound weird, but it neutered a lot of the heel gimmicks where it's like paul jones is with this heel guy why because he's bad it's just like you there was like a russian tag team that he managed which they would do a lot to neuter them to try and like not have them actually be that xenophobic but like that's the angle you're going for so why not go the whole way you know what i mean i don't know it's just like if you're gonna go this was like something if you're gonna walk up to the bell ring it is what you're kind of saying yeah exactly Yeah, exactly. Like, just fucking go for it. Like, if you're going to be xenophobic, be fucking xenophobic. It can't stand. This is, this is, by the way, what this is what Dylan yells at kids, by the way. If you're going to be racist, be racist. It's really weird. No, I mean, I say xenophobic because I'm very smart. You say racist. Uh, no, I don't. You actually walk up to kids and say, "Please become racist." Mm, oh, you do
1: that one time for two years, and suddenly you're a, you are supposed to be <laughs> preaching hate.
2: Oh, Dylan, exactly. I didn't realize you're also a lawyer. I am a lawyer, <laughs> so take that. <laughs> Good comeback. Yeah, my name is Clarence Mason. So. Why don't you go fuck yourself, buddy. Who's your favorite lawyer that's ever been featured in wrestling? It's weird, actually. I think Clarence Mason is the only one. Yeah, and they and then they just uh, they, <laughs> they the reason why is Clarence Clarence Mason. They found he was an actual lawyer. You know this, right? He was an actual lawyer. And then they yeah, and then but Johnny Cochran was big at the time, so they were like, just be Johnny. It's <laughs> it's great that Seinfeld and the and wrestling had the same character. Seinfeld's was a bit better.
1: Uh, you think so? Yeah, because. Um, the wrestling one had to hang out with PG thirteen. As soon as you're hanging out with Jamie Dundee, you're in some real doo doo, my friend.
2: Oh man, if any of you guys haven't watched it, watch a Jamie Dundee shoot interview. Yeah, man brings new. He's like the type of redneck you honestly didn't think existed. Dylan and I got
1: fucking drunk. And watched a Jamie Dundee shoot interview in a tiny hotel room in Leicester.
2: It was wonderful.
1: Do you still have the audio of that of the podcast we did drunk? Because it, I, it must have been unintelligible. We never posted it.
2: No, because we recorded it with like without one mic or something. It was terrible.
1: Yeah, it was very bad. Anyway, let's back. Speaking of something else is bad. Tully Blanchard. Actually, it's very good. This is all very good stuff. Like it's, and it's also this is like he's up against the greatest hits of NWA in this time. He has a loss to Ronnie Garvin, beats the fuck out of Ronnie Garvin, and wins the belt back. Um, he teams up with Baby Doll. How does he drop Baby Doll to join the Four Horsemen, Dylan?
2: Uh, he kicks her out of a moving car.
1: Uh does he I thought he just slapped her on the te- on television but I hope he does both cuz then it's the most Tully Blanchard Tully Blanchard's ever been.
2: No, he slapped her on television, but the way he got Baby Doll was they had a perfect 10 contest and then they chose Baby Doll um and of course and it was all a work because of course it was they weren't actually just going to pick a woman who fucks the best? <laughs> yeah. Also, by the way, you need to bear in mind that Tully Blanchard thought it was just
1: a contest where he had to count to ten. He got to nine.
2: <laughs> ha ha ha! Ha ha, Tully. That's funny. Hey,
1: Tully, I got your fucking prison right between my pants, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm gonna make you sing, well, sing. The, Dusty Rhodes uh, wins the television title off Tully at one point, and he gets baby doll services for 30 days which is very funny because literally he was like I'll put my belt and my girlfriend on the line. So fucking stupid.
1: Was he actually fucking baby doll or that's what I don't know if they were actually married or in a relationship or cuz
2: I don't think they were. He was baby doll was like so I heard this I this is unsubstantiated. So let's get uh let's get weird. I had heard Baby doll was dating Sam Houston long term. Everyone hated that because Dusty basically thought. <laughs> this is one of the most backwards things I've ever heard anyone think that if there's a girl on the roster, they should fuck the top guy.
1: Uh, oh my god, I was about to just do a Stu Heart impression again. And then the baby that they road also by the way, who was the top guy at the time? It was Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty Rhodes was basically hey, baby, doll, I don't think you know how to work it do place, but if it says CEO that's who you don't that, so yeah, fuck baby, you don't fuck yeah. someone with you fucking someone with a death baby.
2: Isn't that insane though?
1: It is in because we live in a society. It's not insane for wrestling. What's insane? What's insane for wrestling is that that wasn't said, and then the punishment was that she had to pee in a kitty litter box, and all the wrestlers watched. That's what would be insane. <laughs> like is that that? It's crazy that didn't happen. Is what I'm saying because it's wrestling. It's NWA in the like. This is the this is wrestling when it's the most wrestling. Literally, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes are outspending each other when it comes to mink coats. Ric Flair is routinely just drinking 43 kamikazes a day, giving out the hotel room name on a promo, and then trying to fuck every woman. Um, Yeah. The night one of Ric Flair's kids is born, Tully Blanchard gets so drunk he vomits in an ice bucket. And that's, by the way, just what Ric Flair writes in his book, which is the best thing ever. That he's like, I'll never forget when this kid was born. Polly Blanchard threw in a nice bucket. Uh, no wonder Reed was on heroin. Hey, Reed, who's your father? Oh, it's that man over there who's just talking to a photo of Dusty
2: Rhodes. Woo! Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, it's that, is that guy over there who's trying to still be the character on the TV. Oh, you see that g- Can you imagine that? Did you see that
1: guy wearing a polo shirt and his dick is out trying to fuck a mannequin? That's my dad.
2: There was a big profile a while ago now, a couple months ago now, about Johnny Depp and how weird he is now. And a lot of the things that he did and that everyone's like, oh my god, isn't Johnny Depp so weird now? Are just stuff that Ric Flair's been doing his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> like showing people tapes of himself and being like, I'm good. And everyone's like, yes, Rick, Yes, you are.
1: The one thing with the Johnny Depp thing is how is no one making fun of the fact that Johnny Depp is in a band? Like everyone's just like, he's now on tour with his band, the Hollywood Vampires. And it's like, that's a cover band. That's Alice Cooper, Joe yeah. Joe Perry, and some studio drummer, and Johnny Depp, and Johnny Depp is like fan fans like um, like financing it's fucking weird.
2: Well, yeah, Johnny Depp also like came to that's the best thing of all time too. Johnny Depp's just like drunk, but Alice Cooper knows he can sell tickets with no money spent because it's Alice Cooper, baby, and he watches his fucking wallet. Oh yeah, God bless him. Alice Cooper, the
1: Alice. I I. Alice Cooper's the best. Contractually obligated to be, uh, I think it's five miles from, uh, a golf course for him to uh, play your town.
2: So good. Oh man, I love Alice. So anyway, uh, Tully's Tully's been feuding with Dusty Rhodes essentially since he comes in, and essentially it's one of those things where Tully knows this, and it's something that we you can also say about Edge, who we compared Tully to on the show. Is that he's so easily hateable? You can beat him a thousand times, yeah, and people will come back every single time. It's one of the weird things where it's like, if you really wanted to make the four horsemen with the current roster, you would you would pick four guys. Um, I can't even really say who would be Arn and Rick, but I know that the Miz would be Tully. Yeah,
1: that's a, the, the Miz is better than Tully. The Miz is so much better I than Tully. Say that. The, and the Miz is also the Miz is also a choice. Like the Miz is, the Miz is built up this character. No,
2: but two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Miz, yeah, back it was not a Miz choice. Was that guy was sucked. Tully. Yeah, like, where it's like he no, but it was just like you're a shithead. You haven't even figured out how you're a shithead yet. You're just being a shithead. This is very Basically,
1: The Miz in 2009 was Dylan of this podcast. Unnecessary and yet still a part of it.
2: No. uh, The Miz in 2018 is like me. Very good. The Miz in 1986 was like John. A baby. I'm a baby.
1: Yeah, we were both covered in fluid.
2: Ooh. Ooh. I had an old podcast with uh, a guy who uh, didn't know, this is legit, I still think it's on iTunes, it's called the Sport Bras, and we did top three athletes that we think we could beat up, and our mutual friend Graham didn't know that it wasn't still socially acceptable to refer to the mentally handicapped as mongoloids, (laughs) which is so insane. so insane. three hurtful things to say ago you know but what I the mean? thing you have to, to
1: put in context for comedian graham k he has said mm-hmm. about 11 of the most offensive things i've ever heard mo- and i'm quoting women don't understand
2: business john they don't understand it <laughs> women don't understand a business is legit the best segue we could have to <laughs> keep talking Doug about Blanchard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Something else he for sure believes. That's very funny. Um, yeah, well, this is very funny. The Horsemen
1: run fucking wild all over the NWA. They start a feud with the uh, Rock and Roll Express that culminates in a match at Starcade. You have to watch this fucking match. The crowd is so fucking loud. The rock and ro- they don't stop screaming Rock and Roll Express. Like, Rock and Roll, the entire match. The match is half an hour... And they are screaming it. It is such an insight into what it was like to perform in front of those crowds because it wasn't like nowadays where it's like fun chanting. Those men and women were like, these are our fucking guys and they are against the fucking country club bullies, Arn and Cocaine
2: Cowboy Tully Blanchard. Great stuff. And I will say this who, given that the rock and roll was so over, Tully Blanchard obviously credits himself with turning jcp around the first sellout he said of course after he came back was him and wahoo mcdaniel versus uh flair and blackjack because that's how that works right
1: thanks Tully. of course yes you were never on top never had the title are never mentioned as part of being anything to do with it besides being a member of the horsemen but yes you're solely responsible for that company turning around jesus fucking christ
2: that's the thing about wrestling though it's like these guys aren't really that good actors, so there has to be something in their core that makes you feel how you feel about them when they're performing. And Tully Blanchard's is just like, throughout his biography and throughout him talking about himself, is just like, and that's what I invented the leg drop and Hulk stole it off me.
1: Yeah, you know uh, you know, The Rock, how he raised his eyebrow and called the people's eyebrow? My eyebrows are... They work, too.
2: And then I said, that's the bottom line because I'm a real American, and I raised my eyebrow. Came up with all three. Yeah. So. I drink beer. Stone Cold drinks beer.
1: He stole that from me.
2: <laughs> the Tully drinks beer. Oops. I came up with another thing. Sorry, I'm too inventive for this. Anyway, I'm a priest, and that makes me a good man now. So, uh, after Tully's uh, feuds with uh, Rhodes ended, uh, he... Goes right into a feud with uh, Magnum TA, and this is really the high point of his career. Yeah, say that the I Quit match was very, very, very good. If you haven't seen his I Quit match in a cage against Magnum TA, it's perfect. It's also um, it's basically like how they they only did I Quit matches well twice in the history of wrestling, Attitude Era WWE and obviously this era of Crockett, and it's pretty fucking brutal even for now. Like, the match ends with Tully, or sorry, uh, Magnum just stabbing Tully in the head with a piece of broken chair. It's great stuff. Like, and he says, when they ask him if he quit, he says yes, uh, because instead of saying I quit, because they wanted to continue the feud, but then Magnum T.A., got drunk and rode a motorcycle like Magnum T.A. Was. It was a
1: car, and he was driving like Tully was trying to get a
2: date to home base.
1: That's very insensitive. Yes, podcast. I know. What do you think this fucking podcast is?
2: I think it's a very sensitive podcast. Oh, yeah, it's sensitive like your fucking ass. My ass is very sensitive. Yeah, it is. It is. It
1: fucking, it's an androgynous zone
2: now. Do you know the male G-spot's in my ass only? Is that true? Yeah, if someone fucks me in the ass, then everyone nuts if you're a man, No, that would explain all the premature ejaculation. For you, <laughs> no, it's very mature. <laughs> oh goddamn! I actually, I call myself ejaculate. I'm like, anytime I last over ten minutes in the sheets, I go, that was a super mature ejaculation. <laughs> this is very mature of us to ejaculate. Who wants to? And then I go goop goop goop, <laughs> goop 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 goop. Oh, he- oh no, I'm coming. It's bad. <laughs> Here comes the stick. <laughs> what is that? What is Dice Clay? What? <laughs> well that Dice Clay joke or? He goes, uh, there's a lot of ways to get a woman to leave. Like uh, if you guys are sleeping together for the first time, just just whisper in ears as, uh, as the moment of climax arises, go, "Here comes the guck." Oh no, it's goo. Doesn't he say, "Here comes the goo?" <laughs> oh! If you haven't listened to Andrew Dice Clay, don't listen to any of the stuff where he does well. Listen to, uh, I think it was an album in 1992, The Day where the, he's trying to return to... The Day the la- No, 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 this is after The Day of the Laughter Died. This is a DVD where he comes out and he has no jokes. He comes out, because it's not The Day of the Laughter Died, it's uh, he comes out and Oh, assume the position? Is it... Tries to do... Yeah, that's probably it's it. The
1: one- is the he wearing a zebra coat?
2: I believe yes, so. Yes, oh, that one's insane. <laughs> He's a guy. Yeah, he he's nuts. He's fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy that Andrew Dice Clay got. Up.
1: What's even crazier is that Andrew Dice Clay is now looked at like a Yoda in L. A. Like people are like, that guy's actually really wise. You wouldn't think it. That's your, and all I want to be like is you're right. I would not think that. <laughs>
2: Andrew Dice Clay legit had the same career as Donald Trump. It started out ironic, and then it was real, and everyone was like, this is fucked up. Yep,
1: shut it down. (laughs) Shut it the fuck down.
2: So when does Tully uh, join the Four Horsemen, John?
1: Well, the Four Horsemen don't join... It's not done like a faction is now, where um, they give it the name and then slowly build around it. They were just paled together um, and kept appearing on screen, helping each other in matches... And then I
2: believe. So they were just like. Uh, go ahead. They didn't, I'm Sorry, I'm going to say they just didn't really monetize. Because they haven't monetized teams really at this time. Like the WWF is the first one to do it. It was that.
1: basically the dawn of 1986. And Arn Anderson said in an interview uh, the only time this much havoc has been wrecked uh, by this few number of people, you need to go all the way back to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Um... And then that's
2: how they got their name. And then
1: J.J. Dillon just went, we're calling calling it the Four Horsemen. Tully Blanchard has gone on to say that that Four Horsemen run uh, led to the five greatest years of his life. I'm going to say this. Tully has kids. That's the most sad thing I've ever heard in my life.
2: (laughs) That's the funniest thing, though, man. Because Tully Blanchard will say, I don't do drugs now. This is blah, 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 blah. But then... Literally, you're saying the best four years of my life was when I was almost dead from cocaine. <laughs> yeah. God, I love cocaine. God, I don't miss it. Is yeah, one, of the, one of those is a lie. I, I do love the Lord, and I love teaching people the ways of the Lord. The only thing I would say that is more important to me than the Lord is, always oh, he's going to say his kids, cocaine. I would give it all up for just one sniff right now. Mm. Please, sub one. Give me, give me that ookie, ookie, dookie. But yeah, he uh, obviously he gets he leaves baby doll by slapping her in the face. Of course, which he said was pretty raunchy for the time. But the, then he also said she could take it. Nice, right? So this is the original run of the Horsemen. This is
1: supposedly the best the Horsemen have ever been, which I'm gonna have to say is probably true. Basically, this is how it worked. They all would have matches. It being Oli and are a tag team. Tully is defending either the television or the U.S. belt, and then Rick is defending the NWA World Heavyweight Championship belt with J.J. Dillon in the corner. Every match goes like this. They are almost losing, and then they win at the last minute. Then they go have promos where they claim to be dominant, and then they go and drink more alcohol than is fucking possible for athletes to consume, and then they get on a private plane. They are so fucking over as heels, it's (laughs) fucking crazy. Fans are following them from the airport. Women are having sex with them all the time. We know this because Ric Flair won't fucking shut the fuck up about it. They are doing 300 dates a year. And this is the craziest thing about wrestling companies. ECW, this is true for, and Jim Crockett Promotions, this is true for. They had been so controlled and struggled in this time that when they get this successful, they somehow managed to be successful and yet still overspend and destroy their company. It's fucking crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, they they basically were spending a hundred. They would get a hundred dollars and they would spend a hundred and fifty because tomorrow they were gonna make a hundred and they would just do that every single day. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've lost fifty dollars two hundred times. Yeah. The like it's so fucking Honestly that's way lower scale, but yeah. Like taking, well, it's the whole thing you were talking about with Flair and Dusty where they would just buy mink coats. It's why Tully Blanchard's life right now, even outside of the spotlight, is better than Ric Flair's
1: yeah because tully probably has a couple of bucks saved from then he's got more most of his brain cells all of his kids are alive and he's not somewhere just casually trying to wait to take his dick out
2: <laughs> like rick flair was in a music video that as far as spotify plays and soundcloud plays uh right now has like over 200 million plays total and he was in the music video it's called rick flair drip and I guarantee he the contract he signed to be in that music video was like, "Here's a thousand dollars. You own the rights." <laughs> they just gave him a thousand bucks. Like it's like, he's for sure like he's getting fucked on that. Yeah, exactly. He's in the whole video. The whole video is about him. Here's a thousand bucks. For sure, that's what happened because he was like, oh, "I need it. Uh. I need the thousand bucks, boys." Woo! Once again. I don't know if it's still up, but that Grantland article we're talking about Ric Flair getting loans is one of the craziest things on the fucking Definitely still
1: up. Showed it to my dad not so long ago. Um,
2: All of that comes to a head.
1: JCP closes. It's still, by the way, like anything that's not WWE, and this is a thing that even WWE is doing, is that it doesn't change. It's still horsemen are the focus by the time it's 1988, so this is a good two and a half years later. They are still the focus. They are not as hot as they once were. They don't have the same um, type of opponents with various people going other places or injuries or just simple turnover. Um, They have the clash match. Uh, Oh, this is building towards the clash match between Ric Flair and Sting. Sting has already debuted. He has matches with Tully Blair uh, and Tully and Arn Anderson, pardon me. Um, They also are training Sting, the Road Warriors, and a variety of other wrestlers in the daytime. When the sale is going through to to Turner uh, with JCP being sold to Ten Turner, Arn and Tully are basically left in the fucking dust. And they say, fuck you. We're fucking out of here. And they head to where, Dylan? The WWF, where they become oh, the yeah. Brainbusters. Brainbusters is crazy Ooh. because this is—they stand out so much in the one year that they're there. They're managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan, obviously. Um, and it was fucking crazy because these are—they're going against all the very different types of um, WWF teams that are all sort of gimmicky, kind of interesting, but kind of not. And they show up and basically just mug everybody and wrestle in NWA style. It's fucking great. Isn't it, Dylan? Now fucking tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm your good little boy and pat me on the bottom.
2: Ooh. Well, these guys were- I uh, said,
1: pat me on the bottom.
2: Poo-poo-poo. These guys are an example of something that I think is happening right now, and allow me to be a bit controversial. It's happening right now with Nakamura, or was happening with Nakamura, at this as of this recording, where- I mean, he's a heel now, uh, Shinsuke is, so it's a bit better. But they're like, oh, these guys, they know who these guys are. These guys are from Jim Crockett. And then you realize, oh, everyone who watches WWF is three and four. They don't fucking know who these old losers are. So they get pushed, and they're like an NWA-style tag team. They're an NWA-style heel, which not the WWF style, which is they're super boring. They have no, like, visible gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, keep in mind, one of the most over characters I've seen on TV at this time was called The Bully. Just called The Bully in 1990, and he was managed by Harvey Wippelman. And he was getting booed like fucking crazy. Like fucking crazy, this guy was getting. And you needed to have these broad... You needed to have the super broad characters. And Arn and Tully, I think, never really worked in the WWF because they weren't super, super broad characters. They were like the announcers could put them over as technicians you put them with Bobby the Brain Heenan which of course you like you've got them with Bobby the fucking Brain Heenan he's one of the best uh managers of all time probably the best manager of all time but i think that's why they kind of disappointed it's because they put them over demolition to break demolition's over a year long reign but You know what I mean? They don't win like... They don't look like WWF stars. This is like WWF stars where everyone looks like the Road Warriors. That's why the Road Warriors, I think, stood out so much. is because the Road Warriors and guys like Lex Luger were smart enough to stay in Jim Crockett and WCW for a long time. Because they're the only guys who look like that. Them... Luger, Nikita Kolov, those were the only two, th- sorry, four guys that look like that. Everyone else looked like Arn and Tully, who, like, if you see him on the street, they're big dudes, but you see him on TV against fucking Demolition, you're like, who are these Yeah, guys? who gives a fuck? It's, yeah, it's a good point.
1: I just, it's also, through the color glasses, I just like seeing their matches, and it was also cool to go back and be like, holy shit, Arn Anderson was the WWF, holy shit, he was the WWF champion, but this run also had a disastrous turn, because what happened uh as they were transitioning from the wwf back to wcw dylan tully did
2: cocaine
1: with me Del- tully did cocaine with dylan he said it was uh it changed his life forever he went from world champion to jobless he said that around 4 a.m. he was trying to work out what to do and he said jesus took over his life and it was his he said that the first time he said he'd be uh without jesus anybody he said there's a calmness to his faith, and he heard a voice saying he was going to be okay. He got up the next day and found nothing spectacular had happened other than not having a job. He was going about his business as usual. Basically what happened is he did coke with two ladies, licked the bag, did a drug test, failed it. That was trouble. Um, and he, But he was already going back to WCW, so he didn't think it would be a big deal because WCW didn't have a drug policy. Jim Heard as a fuck you to Ric Flair... Um, fucking canceled the deal, maimed it so that Arn Anderson came in on much less money and refused to hire Tully, uh, even though it looked really fucking bad on them from a corporate idea, and opened them up to a lawsuit that neither Arn nor Tully eventually ever followed up on. Uh, and what they said is that they should have just sent Tully Blanchard to rehab, but instead... He lost his job and never really had a wrestling career after that, which is the weird thing. Like, he did independent dates.
2: Well, here's the thing, is that if he can't work in WCW and he can't work in WWF, then you're kind of fucked. And he also, like, didn't have the best relationship with all these people. Like, you listen to how Tully – and this think about this. This is – I am a priest now. I have accepted God into my heart, Tully Blanchard. And he's still saying, like, the reason why Jim Crockett was popular was because of me. And then he's saying, we... He also says about himself, they would always put me and Arn after hogan on saturday night's main event because there was a ratings dip and they wanted and dick Ebersol told me that that's why that why is because we held the ratings like this is he's just patently like he's plainly delusional yeah. in some way um and just how much money did, were they offered by the way uh that jim barnett did broker a deal with for him and arn to come to wcw seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars like
1: that's fucking crazy
2: 700 dollars on the table, Jim Barnett obviously blowing a bit of smoke up their ass, but that's fucking crazy. That it's go- the thing is, Tully, because this is why I don't really believe the whole thing of I accepted God into my heart and whatever. I mean, getting, I shouldn't say I don't believe him there, but like, I don't believe like, he still wanted to wrestle. Because he was in the AWA in 1990. He was on those weird ass fucking, <laughs> Tully Blanchard's on those weird ass AWA shows where it's like, there's no one in the audience. It's just a painted wall. And them wrestling in a studio. Uh, He wrestled in ECW in 1995. He wrestled Shane Douglas to some time limit draws, Um, and he also won the NWA tag titles in 1998. Good God! With Barry Windham. Yeah, but it's also one of the uh, yeah again. But you have to also remember that he
1: did blow, but never. He also yeah he never did steroids, which he probably should have. he also probably wanted money, I got to tell you. Because they, they, the thing is, is that yeah. Tully Blanche, especially in 1995 WCW, you're going to pay him a couple of bucks. It's one of those things. But he basically, you know, he's now a prison chaplain. He has four children with a woman whose last name is really annoying to pronounce. Has made some appearances uh, for the WWE, notably the retirement of Ric Flair. Has appeared in some DVDs. Doesn't really have a lot of positive things to say about the current state of his old Four Horsemen pals, uh, probably because Arn Anderson's drinking wine out of a coffee cup and Ric Flair's literally trying to fuck Tully's daughters. Um, But they did do an episode of Table for Three where they talk about being in the Four Horsemen that's both really
2: enjoyable and also sad as fuck. I want to mention this, though, because I did skip it over. Here's Tully Blanchard in a nutshell. Slamboree 1994. This is four to five years after Tully Blanchard has, uh, you know publicly, very publicly for the time, tested positive for cocaine in not one but two, the two major professional wrestling companies. He is brought back for one night, Tully Blanchard is, to fight Terry Funk. Terry Funk, a man who he has known for over 25 years at this point. They went to the same school together. Their parents knew each other. Tully Blanchard refused to lose to Terry Funk at Slambury 1994. And that's why it was a one-night deal. They got him the fuck out of there. They wanted him to come back, and he was like, "I'm not losing. I am not losing to Terry Funk." They tried to bring him back at Slamboree 1993 um, uh, for 500 bucks on his on a return, and he also uh, he fu- he rejected that as well. So like he had chances to come back. He just wanted money, like exactly like you said.
1: This, by the way, shows what they think of Tully Blanchard. Oh, we need to get another dick. No one likes. Get me Paul Roma. <laughs>
2: But at that point it's like Tully Blanchard's done. Like at this point like, 93, he's been wrestling for what? He alleges 1978, so that's how long. That is 15 years. You're done. You're 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 past your expiry date. The only way you can mature in a company that way is if you stay in that company cuz then you're just around your role can mature. He would have been a pre- like he would have been a really good like heel authority character for that time but jj Dillon stayed with the funky company and was useful so he worked backstage and was a heel authority character and just a general authority character in front of the screen as it was and now uh tully blanchard uh, obviously he has four kids one of which tessa blanchard is in nxt so that's
1: good yeah tully blanchard's career is interesting in that i know that i hate him and yet i don't want him to die mostly because i want to be there to meet him to shake his hand and go I fucking hate your guts.
2: <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I'm sorry. She's not. Tessa Blanchard is not in NXT. She is an Impact, Impact wrestling right now. But I will say this: Tully Blanchard uh, is. He's one of those things where it's like he's so. He's. It's so It's so lovable to hate him because it's a guy who's just annoying. It's never like it's not a high status guy, and that's what he. And that's the best thing about Tully Blanchard. In pro wrestling is that he is one of the best upper mid-card to mid-card heels of all time just because you can put him anywhere on the card. You can just see him on TV once and you're like, I fucking hate that guy. That guy has just a face that I hate. There's something about him. He just looks, looks like the fourth guy that kicks you. When you're down, you know? That's very funny. That
0: X factor.
1: That's very funny, yeah.
2: If you're making an all-time wrestling company, like a legit all-time who fills these roles the best of all time, Tully Blanchard's on that company.
1: 100%, He's yeah. the
2: best in his role of all time. Yeah. You- John, what's your favorite thing about Tully Bl-
1: I didn't hear you said favorite Tell thing me. or least favorite thing.
2: What's your favorite thing about Tully Blanchard?
1: Uh, He has the driest hair I've ever seen on television.
2: <laughs> he does. He's got the frizzes. Yeah,
1: it's so fucking crazy. Like, my God, man. My fucking God.
2: I would say this is the time before L'Oreal.
1: Yeah, but even still, there's product. There's a mousse. It just shows he's not even using fucking shampoo.
2: <laughs> yeah. What's the worst thing about Tully Blanchard?
1: What is your... Uh... Oh, fuck my fucking headphone jack. Worst thing about... Um... Uh... Tully Blanchard. It's for, it's for sure his attitude. He's got the worst ego in the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's just easily hateable. And that's the best thing about him as a wrestler and probably the worst thing behind the scenes is people just don't like him for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, he's just a piece of shit. He's just a fucking asshole.
2: You know what I could see happening, which is, is going to be weird, but him working with Gino Hernandez, I haven't read anything on this and I, I haven't heard any like shoot interviews about it from people talking about it at the time, but I could see that I could totally see that people, when Gino passed on, people were like, Tully got pushed, but everyone just still kind of thought of him as Gino's tag partner, you know what I mean? Because Gino Hernandez seemed like he was going to be the shit. Like, he seemed, he died just as wrestling went national, but had he even lived five more years, people would be talking about Gino Hernandez in the light. They talk about Magnum T.A. in. like, what could have been? Yeah.
1: And they, they never, like, yeah, no. And it's also one of those things where I don't believe that if Magnum TA had... It's in the same way they talk about if we had had David on at Van Eric, we would have had another opponent for fucking Ric Flair. I don't believe in any of that shit. I believe that... it would all happened the exact same way it all fucking turned out. Yeah. And life is fucking horrible.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the Magnum TA thing is very clear. It's, it's. uh He would have just been another guy, and... I don't know, maybe without Magnum TA, I mean, it's, that, uh, it's horrible what happened to him, but maybe without that happening, you don't get Sting, you know? I don't know. Anyway, uh... My worst thing about Tully Blanchard for me is the slingshot suplex. I think it's one of the worst finishing moves I've ever seen.
1: Fantastic. Fucking great point. And actually a wrestling point, which is pretty rare on this show, if I'm totally honest.
2: (laughs) Because, man, even in the 80s, people people are starting to have cool-ass moves in the 80s. Like the fucking macho man elbow. He was stood next to a man who was doing fucking eight uh, fucking awesome moves. And this fucking
1: yeah. zero couldn't figure it out. Oh, he's a real POS.
2: He is a POS, but he's like, that's what he, that's what he was. He probably was like, uh, that's probably what he, he thought it was a great move because he was a heel and he couldn't have that flashy move, which also plays him twice the best because he was like a true heel. So who knows? But thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, we have a uh, big old dildo S- put either end of it in your butt subscribe to us on Patreon five bucks gets you shows ahead of time for the week usually an average of a day early but who knows could be midweek as well I don't give a fucking timeline I just put them out when I want bitches subscribe to us on Patreon follow us on Twitter and Instagram follow us home fuck us in the ass oh that's true see
1: you in hell mwah,
2: mwah okay fans there it is a symbol of the four horsemen
1: tully blanchard the winner of the event with that slingshot suplex over the menace and
0: earlier we had seen arn anderson and arn anderson came out with that gourd buster and won his match as we said before the four horsemen are still together and tully blanchard with another great win right here on the Super superstation you know tony shivani i was listening earlier on the minor ricky Morton. i want i want i want people with belts around the ring beach up Ricky Morton is 1987. It's not gonna happen. I'm an ultimate wrestler. You wanna wrestle me anytime, place. but you've got to remember that was done, not personally. Excuse me, Mr. Jim Crockett is out here, Mr. Crockett. What do you got another check to cancel or something? Uh, no checks to cancel. I got a proverbial good news and bad news for you. The good news is on October the 18th, the fans in the Omni will get to see Tully Blanchard wrestle. Okay. The bad news for Tully Blanchard, it will be in a lumberjack, and the lumberjack will have belts. Well, that really is what Ricky Morton was talking. He said that the lumberjacks at the Omni on the 18th will have
1: belts around the ring when you go up against uh, Ricky. I guess. Can
0: you believe that? Belts. The leather straps. What happened huh? to wrestling? Wrestling's on the marquee. Says nothing about lumberjack matches. Oh, God. Can you that? Regroup. Mr. Okay. Crockett. Okay. Right. Cancel checks. Rusty Roads. Money above. It all fits together now. Let's please take the horsemen down. They're getting too big for their britches, huh? Well, that's fine. You want lumberjacks? Bring belts. Mr. Cricket, you be one of the lumberjacks. You come down there with a big belt. Because I'm going to throw Ricky Morton right in your lap. And the one thing you don't think about, Ricky Morton, the lumberjack belt match. Everybody that gets thrown in the ring gets whipped, like I just did to you on national television. Whipped it like you were a little boy. Now, Ricky Morton, you think about it, because when it's all over in the Omni or anyplace else, I'm gonna whip you, Orange's gonna be whipping you, he'll be out there with a belt, and we're gonna take you down, and then the championships are ours. It's been your pleasure, as usual. We're coming right back.